Um, got the uh, the brother on the line. Matt's here. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great introduction. Yeah, I'm uh, not. I'm. I was waiting for the opening intro, the sound, but um, no, I, I post mix that now. I don't do that like here and there. I I, I do that later. So there's no sound. You you just straight into it. Well, there should be. It ruins the vibe. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll I'll, I'll get some mood music going next time for you. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. All right. Well, anyway, um, AFL sucks. How's mm-hmm. that? How's that for a start? Um, so we should preface this for the anyone that probably won't listen to us, but if we can hopefully have listeners that aren't uh, our friends, uh, we are. I am a Port fan. Matt's a Crows fan. So this will be a little bit South Australian centric as far as its. Uh, um, focus on the AFL world, a bit but like the advertising. <laughs> well, that's mostly crows. So the way it should be. <laughs> I uh, respectfully disagree. As y'all disrespectfully disagree, that's fucking bullshit. Anyway, um, yeah. So both of our teams are off to a uh, a shit start to the season. Well, Port started okay, then uh, fell away a little bit the last couple of weeks. The crows. Uh, I mean, you were pretty bullish at the start of the season. I'll let you, I'll let you take it for a bit. Um, your expectations at the start of the season, you were quietly hopeful is how I would put it. Oh, yeah, I would have said top four. So making it through to the l- second to last week of finals at least. And it's not looking that way. <laughs> so the Crows are one and three. Uh, your one win coming against uh, Sydney, uh, which... I'll get to Port in a moment, but Sid- a win against Sydney in Sydney in many years past would be uh, looked upon pretty favourably. Um, this year, it's uh, it's hard to say whether a Sid- win against Sydney in Sydney is uh, any anything big or if it's just a if it's a false dawn. Uh, well, to put it lightly, it doesn't mean shit <laughs> <laughs> at this stage in uh, Sydney's the well, not development; they're rebuilding. There's already talks of Buddy leaving, um, like to get his salary off so they can rebuild. Doesn't mean much. I'd say it was a good win by the Crows, but yeah, we're not going too great. <laughs> yeah, so the Crows get their one win for the season up in Sydney. Uh, I, in a similar vein, the win against Melbourne in the first week for Port in Melbourne with the uh, talk of how Melbourne are as a team, you know, they're on the up and up. Uh, which is what everyone said. Uh, in the first week, it looked like a good win. And then Melbourne proceeded to lose the next couple of games really embarrassingly, especially that one against uh, Essendon. Um, I can't... The I can't remember who they lost to in the third week. But then they won in the fourth week against Sydney. Yeah. And as I've said, <laughs> that doesn't mean much. Exactly. So... Uh, Port's win against Melbourne in the first week. Uh, if you reevaluate it now, maybe it isn't as isn't as good as it looked at the time. And Port, uh, they got a win in the second week against Carlton, uh, which was a bit of a struggle at times. Um, I was definitely I was in the crowd that day, and I was definitely having my usual frustrations I've had with Port over the last couple of years, and their and how they're uh, moving the ball and coming in and out of the game and. Uh, so they got the w- they got the win against Carlton anyway. So they were two and zero, and I was hope you know just I wasn't super confident, but I was hopeful that just that maybe they'd push on and 
a close loss against Brisbane that uh, I had some issues with different um, umpiring decisions or whatever. Uh, ducking into tackles still doesn't seem to be something that's called very well. Unless uh, you're Joel Selwood. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that, that game, they still should have been able to put that away somehow, and they didn't. And then this week again, uh, when you can't beat a Richmond side that's missing half of its side, um, I don't know, it, it, really, it really makes you just wonder. Yeah. I mean, Porch, to start the year, I was like, oh, shit, they're actually doing pretty well, especially with their young lineup, um, especially Rosie, who I think's uh going to be an out-and-out star. He'll take over for Robbie Gray um, when Robbie retires eventually. Um, but, yeah, it's tough to tell where Port's at. They've got a l- lot of young players who are looking to do really well, really impressive. Drew, Dersma seems to be doing the job. Butters is killing my dream team a little bit, but give me a bit of cash. Port will be a very good team in a couple of years, but this year I don't think they'll have the legs to run out of the whole season with these young guns who are just basically pay, playing their first season of AFL. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess that's where we can talk about the positives of uh, Port's early season. Uh, Rosie is the best player to wear number 20 for Port Adelaide. I don't even remember anyone else that ever wore that number. Chad Wingard. Yeah, I, I don't know who you're talking about. Single-handedly won you a lot of games. I, I'm still confused. No, I there was a bounce that <laughs> went the wrong way for a Crow supporter <laughs> from Angus Monfries. Not Chad Wingard, but Chad Wingard ended up putting it through. <laughs> yeah, the winner. Um, yeah, no, I mean Wingard aside, I mean that trade. I, I like Ryan Burton as well, but yeah, the the players they've got there at the moment, the draft certainly is, looks like. Um, you know, without getting too far ahead of yourself, you don't want to be putting the putting the pressure on these guys when they're in their first season still. And um, they will have their moments. They will have their bumps in the road because that's inevitable for young younger players. But Rosie certainly looks strong. Like his his marking, um, his like con- contested marking, just he can he he's strong and uh, strong overhead. Um, he leads well. Uh, he's a presence, and it's it's. You know, you'd, you'd think he'd been playing for a few years already, when you, especially that performance against. Unfortunately, in a losing game against Brisbane, he looked fantastic, um, kicking five goals. And uh, I had I had a multi on that night for him to kick two plus and port to win. And unfortunately, I, I got the I got the part that I thought was less less. Uh, you know, I, th- I was hopeful that he'd kick a couple, but didn't think it was a po- uh, positive that he he smashed it. So port didn't get the win. That aside, uh, he he looked fantastic. He's a uh, Kane Corns for love, loving to leave him. He's uh, said he could be the next Nat Fife. I thought you were going to say he could be the next Kane Corns. <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he said he said he's got a Nat Nat Fife uh, abilities. Well, I followed North Adelaide pretty closely last year in the SANFL um, for our American fans. Don't know what you'd compare that to. I uh, had this conversation with Vince, and um, I think uh, it was like minor league, minor, you know, your your G League or your minor league baseball, uh, uh, minor league hockey, that kind of thing. Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, I followed <laughs> them pretty closely last year, and watching them throughout the year, all year, I was saying I want him. Though there was better South Australian talent, who I also would have taken, but at the stage I knew Crows wouldn't be able to get them. And I was like, Crows need to do all they can to get 
Rosie because even though you've just talked about him kicking five goals, he was used in defence for um, North Adelaide. In the grand final and prelim finals, he was floating across, taking clutch m- marks and just rebounding like he was made for it. And this was a 17-year-old kid playing in a very physical league, which is the SNFL, and now he's come into the AFL and made it look his own. Yeah, and that's a. I think the um, the talk around him is like um, just like kind of you know when Wingard first came in for Port, he was a forward, and then they uh, were uh, the the move was to try and def- move him slowly into midfield, and that's what they're talking about already with Rosie. Is they've got a they've got the eye on him being a um, moving through the midfield in the future, but at the moment he's a incredible target up forward, which uh, for Port, um, unfortunately, the forward line structure is not something that they're strong on but uh it's good to have someone in there that is strong in the strong in the pack and strong in the mark we're just gonna cat climbing walls which if you're a regular listener is just normal here so that's fine i'm i'm intrigued to see how far up the window she gets i really don't know what she's even (laughs) looking for well andrea thinks the house is haunted because she's just looking for random shit sometimes um i'm not sleeping here tonight (laughs) (laughs) anyway um yeah, Rosie aside, uh, Dersma's, um, Dersma's looked good. Uh, um, um, Butters is a already a cult favourite, um, simply because of the name. I don't know if you've seen the uh, shirts. Nah. There's a, they've got Port Adelaide shirts with um, the South Park character oh. Butters with the Port jersey on. It's fantastic. So um, he's already got that that down. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a nice... Uh, as much as I hate where Port are at at the moment, and I have no trust in Hingley as a coach, and uh, I, I, I might look for your opinion on that as an outsider, slightly a slight outsider in a sec. Um, I do enjoy the fact that we do have this little this little batch of youngsters coming through, and Ryan Burton, um, though he's been r- in the league for a couple of years, he's still super young. Um, to get him out of that trade, you know, to get a player of that quality for a want-away player trade is, uh, I think, is fantastic. You know, I, I'm still amazed that we somehow came out of the Chad Wingard situation with a player that is, you know, one a ten year player for the future. Yeah, the um, Port now the trade period last year, and it did my head in because as soon as I heard that uh, Burton was part of the Port deal, possibly I was like, well, Crows, just get in there and do something to get him, do something. They didn't. Then Sam Mays wants to come home. Port somehow get him. I'm like, mm, not that I want Sam Mays, but I'd rather Port not have him. Um, and then to work your way up in the draft to get Rosie, I think Port have an outstanding young group coming through that as long as they can hold them, which, I mean, they've got a fair bit of SA talent and they've got a decent culture at Port to retain players, I think they'll be absolutely fine. And, I mean, you haven't even mentioned the flaming redhead, Drew, who's been on Port's list for a couple of years, but his composure out on the footy field's really good. And he can, yeah, he's calm, composed, and he's going to be a really good player for a redhead. (laughs) For a redhead. I like that. uh, As a a ginger, well, not a redhead fully, but a ginger bearded, um, I enjoy it. Uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd not completely forgotten about him, but um, yeah, he he has been on the list for a couple of years, and I've watched him a bit, like in the 
like obviously playing in the reserves, and um, you know he's a, he's a fantastic talent, and I uh, his um intercept marking, I I've just really enjoyed that. Um, there was a, he had a couple of play like you know when we were trying to hold that match against Brisbane, he was really he really uh, showed up in that game at a time when there was a lot of players that looked like they were <laughs> they were losing their legs a little bit. He was one of the ones that seemed to be had a bit more fitness than some others. Um, unfortunately, he kind of I'm trying to think of the mark. I think he took a mark that really reminded me of a uh, Michael Wilson. Just you know, just the bravery um, getting back in the pack and uh, just the desperation to try and hold a result that unfortunately we didn't end up holding. But um, yeah, look, I'm 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 very impressed with. It. I came into the season with not much hope before, and then the first game happened, and I was. I was suddenly filled with hope, as you do as a fan. You just start thinking that you're going to win the grand final all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the issues I have aside of the of the team as a whole and how it's structured and how it's working as well, uh, it's not working. Um, I am incredibly impressed with the young group and, and I'm a lot more... I, I'm pleasantly surprised. You know, a rosy... Um, I hadn't watched him as much as you had, but I'd, I'd certainly read all the reports about him and, and everything that was saying was that he was a guaranteed kind of... It's hard to say guaranteed players because Jack Watts is a guaranteed star, apparently. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Until you know, he discovered titties and cocaine. Yeah, well, he, he <laughs> discovered titties, cocaine and legal cocaine all, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I'm really impressed with what Port have done uh, in the trade period at, as well as their recruiting. Uh, it's just actually putting it together on the field that seems to be the problem. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not much of a coach, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's only so much you can do at training and so on. I mean, I think from all reports, Port have a pretty good culture and... They keep players there somehow, except for players who want to leave. But that was Chad Wingard, and he didn't really want to stay by any means. And I don't think he was the right fit from a uh, right fit for Port by all reports. And then who else left? Oh, Jared Polek. He left. He wasn't getting offered as much money as he probably should have been. His girlfriend's from Victoria. He doesn't. I don't think he's the type to chase success. He went to North Melbourne. So, I mean, Paul have a good culture and all that. And then, I don't know, you probably have more idea of what Ken's doing wrong than I do. Yeah, well, uh, the, the culture thing is an interesting thing because everyone said, uh, well, that when Ollie Wines resigned last year, the talk was that it was genuinely because he believed in the, uh, believed in Hinkley and believed in the culture and believed in what Port Adelaide were doing. And, and that's why it's hard for me as a fan to just, I'm, you know, I really just can't see where it's going with Hinkley anymore because it's it's uh, it's ball movement. It's it's the it's the same thing every year. They, he seems to he seems to be trying to recapture that that magic he had those first couple of years where he really did the Port team was re- like really quite surprising to the entire competition and where you know we're a kick away from making the grand final and e- every chance of winning that grand final if they got in in twenty fourteen. Uh, but number one for the pod. Um, and ever since then, it seems to be just almost trying to recapture that. And 
He doesn't ever seem to be tr- quite getting the forward line that he wants working, and he and he makes a change that then doesn't work because he brought in you know he brought in Sam Gray for the game against Brisbane and dropped Todd Marshall, and Todd Marshall is is certainly unpolished and and rusty, or not rusty, just more just he's a he's a he's a rough diamond, um, but he's still a presence up forward and he he takes marks. Um, uh, I dropping him and bringing Sam Gray into that lineup just didn't didn't really. You know, Gray kicks goals and gets into positions, but he doesn't. He doesn't contest, and especially when we're already missing Dixon at the moment, still. And it's just getting that that structure right. And you know, I think that's, that I mean they brought in Scott Lysett uh, as a backup ruck. Well, not even backup ruck. I think he's there to take a lot more of the load. So Ryder can spend more time up forward, and Ryder certainly been a presence up forward. But it's just the forward line structure seems a bit dysfunctional. He doesn't. He seems to be chopping and changing a little bit. Not sure exactly what he wants to do, and then they're still just their ball movement has been better at times this year, but then still seems to they get bogged down a little bit trying to move uh, handball over, overuse the ball is the term I would use, and there's still just a lack of confidence sometimes in the players using the ball through the middle, and and they're just not they're still just not getting any sort of forward line conversion. You know they're getting the ball in there a bit, but there's no. No, the conversion rate from entries inside fifty is just abysmal still, and and it's been the same way for three or four years now, and that's that's the issue. Yeah, as a Crows fan, I can't help you because we're having the same problems at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, t- it's I don't know, it's a tough thing. Like, take Todd Marshall, well, put Todd Marshall in the team, and you've got Todd Marshall, Lyset, and then Westhoff up forward. They're three big bodies, and that's something I think the Crows have been struggling with, too many big men up forward. Um, so maybe Ken was thinking, all right, we'll mix it up and I guess play the Richmond formula from two years ago where they would only really have Jack Rewalt up forward and then, oh, look at them, they went and won a flag. Ooh, that one's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know, maybe he's trying different things, but it's just not working. Not a lot of things are working for South Australian football at the moment. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I hate to be the guy that um slams the coach and stuff. But you know, and I'm I'd be more than happy for Ken Hinkley to prove me wrong, but at the moment I just don't see when you've had three or four years of the same shit, it's just hard to see a way forward when um you know, the same talk, the same shit. But, you know, we can segue over to the oh no before yeah. we get okay when did Ken get there it was uh, 2013 it was his first season as coach he had two good years and then he's only made the f- did they make the finals last year no he's only made the finals once since he made he made the finals the first two years and won won a couple of finals he won uh, he got an upset win against Collingwood over in over in Melbourne in 2013 um, and then they lost to Geelong in a game that they could have. They they played pretty well. And the next year they smashed Richmond in that game at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, went to Fremantle and won there, and almost beat Hawthorne, who obviously were about to win their second. What was it? They were going to win their second premiership in a row eventually that year. Third one was the next year. Oh, no, 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 twenty fourteen. No, you're right. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty fourteen. So we yeah. lost to them in twenty fifteen. Yeah, so they had a uh, he, he was winning finals uh, and tough finals away from home, uh, and everything looked rosy. And then you know the next year, uh, rosy, Connor rosy, 
everything was looking kind of rosy. Um, and, you know, the next year was a bit of fall from grace, but you thought, oh, well, uh, you know, give him a chance. But then it just kept on going. And, you know, the year before last was his first year back in the finals and we lost that heartbreak against West Coast. So he hasn't won a final since uh, that Fremantle win in 2014. And we're, we're four and a half years down the track. Did he got re-signed in that year where they made the finals as well, didn't he? Yes, he got re-signed. Uh, there was the rumours that he'd go to Gold Coast and they re-signed him um, after that final loss in 2017. Yeah. I... Yeah. See, when Crows sacked Sanderson back in 2014, I was a bit heartbroken. And I was like, oh, what, what are the Crows doing? But then I realised if we... St- I look at it now. If we stuck with him too long, I think we w- would have gotten more of the same, same crap. Phil Walsh came in, and unfortunately uh, left us pretty quickly. But he changed the Crows game a lot. And then Don Pike was able to come in and follow that up for a couple years. And we've now lost that sort of mojo now, which I wouldn't sack Pike this year if we were to continue this much. But if he was to do just as bad next year, I wouldn't keep him on. I would <laughs> goodbye. Crows generally get rid of coaches after two years of missing finals. I'd give Pike one more. But if he was to do it three years in a row, it would I would happily see him go because and I would I- as a port if I was a port supporter, I would happily see Ken Hinckley go. Because I think Port need a bit of bit of new stuff in there, a bit of a fresh mind because even their um, assistant coaches haven't changed too much from what I can understand. I mean, Michael Voss has been there for years. Nathan Bassett hasn't been there too long. Brendan Laid a few years, I think, maybe. Yeah, Bassett. Jake Corns. Jake Corns, I think, is in his second. He was a... Head coach of the Maggies up until I think the year before last, and then he took a more full time role with the with the power. So yeah, you can still piss off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I yeah, it's, that's the thing is like we've been um, four of the last five years we've missed finals, um, and you know that's and and you still don't see any drastic change in game plan. And you know the interesting thing is how we, how he develops these young guys this year and how the year ends, even if it's a not a good year if they make finals and. And the young guys are developing. Maybe they'll see see a road forward. And you know, I'm not against it. It's just at the moment I can't. I just I just don't understand. Um, and I think it's a little bit frustrating watching him having been given uh, so many good players. You know, Port went out of their way to get Paddy Ryder and uh, Charlie Dixon and um, a few other guys that haven't worked out quite as well. But um, they've really really gone all in on. All in on uh, Hinkley with these these uh, acquisitions they've made, as well as you know having the primes of uh, Travis Folk and Robbie Gray in the in those last five years. Well, you got to wonder. Tom Rockcliffe is the other guy I was thinking of. Um, oh, Tom Rockcliffe is a jet. Steve oh, Motlop has his days. I think if you give any team like the type of caliber, well, the players of the caliber of Paddy Ryder, Scott Lysett which actually, no, I won't include him because he's new to the club. Um, Paddy Ryder, Tom Rockcliffe, who else did we say? Not Stephen Motlop. Charlie Dixon. Charlie Dixon. I oh, mate, include them with Robbie Gray, Ollie Wines, 
uh, Justin Westhoff. I think a lot of players Travis would take... Travis Boak as well. Yeah, I guess he's been killed by the influx of these new players. Yeah, but he was, uh, um, what, 2013, 2014, he was third in the third in the Brownlow. That was and under, he's that was all Australian? Hinkley. Yeah, that was under Hinkley as well, so... I think give any club that sort of calibre of players and you would expect them in finals a bit more. I think, personally. Oh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we've talked, we've talked a fair bit about Port. Um... The Crows. Uh, I, I've no, watched. We don't need to do no, 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 we do. No, we don't I told you. We got. No, no, it's only. I've got twenty-four minutes on the clock. You know how pods go. Well over an hour. So, um, as a teacher, I'm not allowed to swear this much. <laughs> well, no, it's it's that's the point. This pod gives you the outlet that you don't usually get. <laughs> yeah, but if somehow my students tracked me down, I would be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you've already said it now, so you might as well. Um, so, the Crows. Man, fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. swearing for you. Yeah. Um, fudge-tickles. Um, football's not a very good sport. <laughs> well, uh, what's going... So the only, ironically, the only Crows game I've actually watched, it, I listened to the, to the Hawthorne match, um, the only one I've watched extensively was the Sydney one where they won. So uh, I don't have a great handle on what's going wrong there. But uh, Bryce Gibbs was dropped for the last match. Um, well, let let I mean let's start there. Uh, where's his game going this year? Um, he was dropped because he's looking at a career um, as a butcher for butchering the ball. I was like, I was like, is this going to be that Kane Corn situation? Like, is he is he genuinely looking just for a random career as a fireman or as butcher? No. Uh, so, so, um, I watched. Like, I mean, uh, the last time I watched the Crows and really extensively was last year, and obviously I was pretty impressed with Bryce Gibbs. He had a the games I watched him with last year, he was pretty good. Um, uh, kick kick some goals, and obviously was uh, a integral part of the midfield. So. Is he just been cha- is his form just dropped off a cliff at the start of this year so far or? Um, no, I love Bryce Gibson. I feel bad for saying that, but <laughs> I mean he's not the only um, Crows player looking at a career in the meat industry um, because lots of our players are just not using the ball effectively. They just bomb it long. They or if they look for the short target it somehow ends off skewing 10 metres to the left or right. They just can't hit a target. They're the Crows player's a bit like Stormtroopers in Star Wars. <laughs> it's just not going great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, any, any comparison that ever comes to Stormtroopers is uh, never a good way to be going. Um, so, I mean, you guys are in a similar position this year where we're, we're both both South Australian teams for the first time uh Rolling with the co-captains, uh, Tex and Sloan. Like I mean, I was so again. Like I listen to a lot of footy, obviously at work when I can't be watching. I just have the headphones on. I'm listening to the game, so it's it's hard to actually get a good handle on how it's going beyond the commentators just telling you how it's going because obviously you can't see it with your own eyes. Um, you know, towards the end of that game against the Kangaroos, uh, Tex and Sloan were both on the bench at a time when um, I think it was about five minutes to go. Uh, the game was probably 
just out of, you know, a goal in the next minute probably would have brought it back, you know, within an interesting range where they could have tried to have a go at it. Um, co-captains, both on the bench. Uh, one, the big forward, one, the big midfielder. Uh, how how are their games going this year? Because, you know, Tex, I, I haven't heard... I, I, my, my reading, he hasn't been great. Sloan, I think, has been good enough without quite hitting the heights that we know that Sloan can because he's, he's a fantastic player. Uh, first thing I'll touch on is them both being stuck on the bench. I think that's uh, an effect of the limited rotation, not limited rotations, the runners not being able to get out there. So they may have been stuck there and in that last quarter, well, for the whole game, there hadn't been many goals kicked. And this year in the AFL, runners can only run out messages during uh, between goals so they've got 30 seconds to do that when there's not many goals kicked can't really get out your messages um so i think that's probably what happened there it's not the greatest situation <coughs> oh that was right from the belly number Sorry. two from the pod um so that's probably the first thing to address i don't think that's just probably a mishap of if you look at the stats they may have been there for a couple of minutes and they probably would have been sitting there like Hurry up, someone get it. Come off. Um, I think I like the co-captains thing um, for the Crows. I think someone need, needed to take the pressure off Tex because people slam that much these days. Like in the last, I don't know. I very much enjoy slamming Tex. In the last 16 months, he's been slammed um, a lot. But people forget that <laughs> he was. I just realised this how sexual it sounded. Just he's been slammed so much. I enjoy slamming Dex. Well, <laughs> well, you do enjoy. Apparently, Matt, what pr- Matt probably did. Well, you said you enjoy slamming him. So <laughs> <laughs> why wasn't I invited to that? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where to go from here. Oh uh, well, I'll get back onto what I was saying. <laughs> I enjoy ribbing that. him a good old fashioned. That just really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should, uh, you really need to pronounce your B's better, not rimming. <laughs> I think I did pronounce a B, but I realised how bad it sounded. Oh, Jesus. We shouldn't have drank so much beer. Um, no, I haven't consumed beer. Um, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> uh, no, where was I? Um, but people forget that 2016 and 2017. And I'm pretty sure he was up there in 2015. He was voted the best captain in the AFL. Voted by... I feel, I feel like the Russians might have hacked that election as well. I don't think so. Because he kicked bulk goals in those years. And he was an extremely good captain. Last year, he had a few injuries here and there that um, sort of ruined him. And I think the grand final really did affect him. He's just lost his, uh, which is a thing a lot of the Crows players have lost, especially the forwards, is their, I guess, I'm trying to think of the way to put it, um, their, th- oh, I thought you, you were going to say something. I was going to say, were you going to say, I, I feel like you want to say mojo, but. Well, they have lost their mojo, yeah. but they've lost their fierce competitiveness. They don't, they're looking for the ball to come to them. They're th- not looking to get the ball. So that's the thing. Like Eddie Betts played better on the weekend, but last year, I mean, injuries again mm-hmm. didn't help. But he's expecting things to come to him a bit more. Um, 
Tex, his best game for the year was against Sydney. I mean, he kicked one goal three, but he was charging into packs and like giving bulk fend-offs and taking the game on. And that was the Tex we knew from a couple of years ago. Rory Sloan, nothing to criticise him about. I think he's had a really good year so far. I think he didn't have the best game against North Melbourne, but he played really well. But I think, yeah, Tex's issue and the other Crows forwards in general issue is they're waiting for the ball to come to them. They're not willing to do anything to get the ball. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's a probably a pretty good um, sum, summation. Summation, that's what I was going for. Um, summary. Yeah, summary. I was going for summation. That sounded smart and then I fucked it up. I'm not even sure if that's a word. I think it is. Mm. I'll look it up later. Anyway, it's a podcast. We can make it up. Um, yeah, I, uh, from my, my view of the Crows, like that's, that's what um, weirds me is like the Crows two years ago scared the fucking shit out of me. Like watching them was just, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't obviously I don't enjoy seeing them almost win a grand final because, you know, I'd, I'd hear about that more and more. I was hoping they win it for you, but otherwise I didn't want to hear it from everyone else. Um, that year that they should have won that grand final, they were they were the best team in um, Australia that year. Um, you know, Richmond ro- Richmond were ver- very close and and played a great grand final. So I don't even think that. Well, I think I think, I think they became very close in that game. Like then last year is the year that Richmond were actually the Richmond that they became in that final and then they fucked it up in the finals, which is ironic. You know, the Crows fucked it up that year and then Richmond found themselves in that grand final, had a great year and then should have probably won back-to-back premierships and then fucked it. Um, I wouldn't say they fucked it. Collingwood was again yeah, very Collingwood good in the Yeah, Collingwood was amazing. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing. We can't take it away from the other teams but either. the Crows but in 2017 were... Far and away, so good. I've never seen the Crows play as well as that. That was the best season footy I've ever watched, minus the grand final. But like watching the Crows, I think like not many other teams can. Oh no, that's a bit biased. But I think if I wasn't a Crow supporter, they were a team I would have enjoyed to watch. A bit like I was enjoying watching Port play in 2013 and 14 because they're fast, exciting, high scoring. And just the way they moved the ball was just damn right sexy. Yeah, I mean that game um, that they uh, that Collingwood were up forty points on them, and they came back and drew the match with that McGovern goal at the end. Um, one of the rare games I, I I can't remember what sports bet was doing at the time. I won money on Collingwood, and then won money on the Crow somehow. When your team leads by twenty-four points, yeah. So I, yeah, I won money on Collingwood, and then uh, somehow, yeah, I can't remember. I had I, I won money. Oh, it might have been another game actually. There was one game that year that I won money on both teams because it was a big swing, and um, I was trying to play that sports bet, uh, that sports bet special. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I won money on Collingwood that day, even though they didn't win. Um, but yeah, that game was just epitomised what the Crows were that year. They were just, uh, you know, they had by that one game that year where they got smashed by the Kangaroos. Uh, was that that year or was that the year after? That was that year, wasn't it? They that was that yeah, year. They, yeah, so that they had a couple of games where they... But they won the first six, then yeah. lost the next two, and I think the second one 
was against North Melbourne. That was down in Launceston, and they never looked in it. Yeah. So they had those couple of games, but beyond that, and, you know, that Collingwood one, I remember watching that one thinking, oh, this is another one of those kangaroos games, but then they came back, you know, storming back in the last quarter, kicking, you know, five or six goals or whatever it took them to get a draw in that game that they had no rights to even be close in. Um, you know, that was the Crows that year. They were just fearless. They uh, took the took the game on, and, and whatever the situation that was presented to them, they took on without even a second thought, and that's what's come into the game now is uh, whether the grand finals had a mental effect. Um, I, uh, you know, I hate talking about it, but um, a lot of poor players that played in that 07 grand finals, they had took a few years to get over mentally, like, you know, it was therapy, therapy level of... Uh, of mental torment that that game took on them. And, you know, the Crows didn't lose in that kind of fashion. But losing a grand final that you're expected to win and losing it thinking that um, losing a game that you're expected to win and then losing it with the uh, the narrative around, you know, Tex was, you know, absent in that game. There was no leadership and, and all those things that the storylines that came out from that game, that can uh, – the mental effect maybe – is carrying over still. Yeah, rumours have it that Tex takes that um, that talk, I guess, pretty personally in a way. I mean, as a captain of the club, I mean, he'll, I'm sure, honestly say he didn't turn up that day. I'm sure he's pretty down on himself for it. But he can't be to blame for that. Honestly, I can't comment on it too much as I can't remember it. Um, so I can't, I can't really say who stood up, who didn't. I know the Crouch boys were good, but that's about it. So I understand that feeling. Um, yeah, uh, so, you know, this year, um, do you, I mean, the Crows obviously have a super talented squad. Uh, they're, um, they've had a couple of devastating injuries, um, obviously. Jude uh, uh, and Seedsman. Seedsman will be back. Yeah, I just mean like those kind of injuries early in the season. Um, Duday obviously a season ender, um, and he was he was he was a nice nice little find last year. Yeah, he's um, a big loss. Yeah. Uh, do you see a way back? I mean, it's four games in. Um, I remember a couple of years that Port finished top. They lost two out of their first four games. Um, well they lost their first two games one year and ended up finishing top because they didn't lose. They lost two for the rest of the year after that. Um, so it's certainly not not out of the question that they could have a good year still. Uh, do you see that happening? Yes, I do. Uh, if they keep more points than the other teams. Oh. The Schwarzgasmic fans come <laughs> here for <laughs> in-depth sports talk and they get the in-depth <laughs> sports talk. I'm trying to think of the fixture. I always thought the Crows' starts of the year would be tough. I mean, Hawthorne aren't the team they once used to be, but they're still good, and Crows always struggle, hence we lost. Geelong, again, who knows? And then, for some reason, we've struggled against North Melbourne the last couple of years. So, at points, I thought we might not even win a game, which we came very close to, not winning a game to start of the year. Um, would I have preferred to have been two and two, three and one, four and zero. Oh, of course. Um, I know it's tough to tell. The AFL this season is a tough one to pick because Crows have an easy draw, 
but then we're coming up against Gold Coast this week who somehow have won three games and they're looking a lot better as a football team. Though they've won very close games, I think put together all their total margins, including the loss, and it adds up to 20. So four games, that's an average win-loss margin of five points for the entire sorry, um, entire year. I f- hope we win. I'd be disappointed, of course, if we didn't. Um, and then from the next five You're games... You're home for that one, right? Yeah. For the next five games, I think we've got an easy run, but it's sport. There's no easy runs in sport, really, when you're an underperforming team. You've really got to find your mojo. Mm -hmm. I think we can still still make the eight. Any team can still make the eight from here. We need to really improve, of course, but I think I think some bold calls need to be made. I think Maybe, I don't like saying it, but maybe Jenkins or Tex, more likely Jenkins, I think, needs to go back to the sample and have a reassess because there's some good young players like Elliot Himmelberg could come through. Um, Darcy Fogarty, who for some reason is playing in the back lines in the sample. I don't um, understand why. I, I think Fogarty's a talent. Oh, he is. He's uh, he's young. He's fresh. He's still got a way to go, but I think it's worth giving him a go. I don't know, but then again, we can't drop Jenkins because we've got Source out, which again adds to our problems as we're struggling with Ruckman. Mm. So I don't know it's a bit of a tough time at the moment as a Crows fan. We've got we're butchering the ball. We're we're lacking in confidence. Not too many boys are confident to take the game on, except for Wayne Miller, who's a jet. Um, the Crouch boys are doing great. Sloan's doing great. But other than that, Alex Keith and Daniel Talia are holding up their end. But other than that, it's not... Rory Laird's still not... I would say he's not having the year he's had in the past. Yeah, it's tough times. Uh, yeah, Laird, um, he's taken a fair few hits over the years, so you got to wonder sometimes. Oh, he's, no, he's going fine. Yeah. He's, like, still getting plenty of the ball. He's just not taking the game on as much as he would and not hitting the target. Our inside 50, actually, we can't even get it inside 50. It's getting it to the half-forward flanks where we're really struggling, I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas you guys used to just breeze through those. Remember the way he'd slingshot out of the back lines in 2017? It was just fucking... Again, you scared the shit out of me that year. <laughs> well, we're, that year we were averaging between 110 and 120 points a game. Mm. This year, we're averaging 70. I haven't hit 100 in the first four games for the first time in a long time. Isn't that right? Uh, I saw that stat somewhere. It was something that I haven't... Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. 20, 2013, 14... They were dark years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't There was a lot really of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when I discovered beer. <laughs> and only then? Nah, 2011. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd like to see if Dad actually listened to any of these. Yeah. Um, Just ask him. He'll say yes. But then he doesn't because he's not hearing this. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. 
Um, I guess we're gonna move on to the wider AFL. Um, it seems like it, it's quite a surprising year in the um the teams that are winning some games early. I mean, th- this is what happens sometimes. You have some games, teams that will uh have a have a run of form early just off of adrenaline, young teams or whatever. But you know, Brisbane, uh, some genuine talents around the field for them. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the Gold Coast, even if they're not winning them big, they've got three three wins on the board. So, uh. It's a really weird table to look at at the moment. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, quite odd. Not too surprised by Brisbane. I think they've definitely got great young players and a couple old heads to steer them in the right way. So I'm not too surprised by that. I don't think they'll maintain it. I think they'll they'll be between 6th and 11th or 12th. So... That's where I would have had them pegged for the start of the year. I think they've got a really good list. If they can hold it together, they'll definitely make the eight. Um, I don't think they'll push higher. I hope they do, as I do like Brisbane as a team I have for a while. Um, who else? Gold Coast? Nah, I don't think they'll. I think they're they're a real sort of money ball team. But I don't. I mean, it would be really good for. Gold Coast to make it up, make the eight, <laughs> considering it's their ninth year in the league. It would be really important for them, and the AFL would love it, but I don't think they'll make it. Um, Free have been going pretty well. Don't think they'll make it too high either. Uh, St Kilda, they're a bit of a surprise packet. At home, they'll be fine, I think. They'll win most of the games at home at Marvel Stadium. But again, I think teams like Richmond, once they get their players back, teams hopefully like Crows and Port, who are better than what they're producing at the moment, should lift. Teams like Melbourne, Melbourne's going to be better than what they are now. They're still missing injuries, like missing players through injuries. So they'll come up better. And then, yeah... I'm trying to think of other teams who are underperforming. Not looking at the ladder, but I mean, y- I mean, you've got Geelong has won three out of their uh, first four games. Um, I mean, where do you? Uh, I mean, we can talk about those guys too. Um, do you? Do, I mean, you've got the Brisbane's uh, that are upstarting a little bit. I mean, Brisbane are a historic team, being their run in the early two thousands, but the last ten years have been pretty average. Um, but if you look at the uh, the teams that have been the stalwarts of the last 10, 15 years, which is, you know, Hawthorne having won four premierships, uh, Geelong having won three, th- yeah, three, you know, Sydney have won a couple. Uh, so Geelong, first of all, uh, won three out of their first four. Uh, w- Geelong is always an interesting one to me because they've got, they've got such, you know, I mean, Dangerfield is obviously in his prime, but Selwood and Ablett both there uh obviously aging players that are in their last year or two. They're very much in the twilight of their careers. Um, that's a team that could either could either flourish and have a great year or if uh, an injury or two hits could be just, you know, like, you know, one injury away from just falling apart completely. Um, yeah, people were very uh, critical of Geelong going into the year. I wouldn't have had them going as well as they are um, at the moment. But I still think... Ablett's looked good. I mean, it depends how long he can hold it, but... 
oh, he'll always be good. He's not nowhere near the player he was. But I still think the players they have, I mean, Dangerfield's a jet. Blissars is a jet. Sorry. Um, they've got, and even their um, inputs of, well, their uh, imports of Rowan and Dowhouse. They're two very good players. Dowhouse, he was pivotal in the Dogs Premiership a couple of years ago. I completely f- fucking forgot they got Dowhouse. Yeah, and he's been really good. And Rowan is fitting straight into that team. He's playing better than he was at Sydney. He's so a very Geelong cut. He's a tough little cut. Oh, I wouldn't say Rowan's too tough. I just remember the amount of hits. It, I've seen him just take some pack marks where he just fucking gets run. Yeah, he has, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but he's quick, he's exciting, and he's fitting into Geelong really well. And Geelong have a lot of good players and they historically have done very well in drafting out of their Geelong VFL. So they've got a few players from there. I couldn't name them at the moment, but they've got... Who's the lad that they've got from Western Australia they keep talking about that'll... Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly. I I kept kept on trying to think Mick Kelly and I knew that wasn't right, but that's what... Yeah. yeah, I mean he's been a he's been a great pickup for them, and obviously there's a talk about him going back to Western Australia, but um, fucking cat um, makes sense since we're talking about Geelong. That just comes in and starts fucking with our feet. Um, the Geelong cats, for anyone who's wondering why that makes sense. Anyway, uh, yeah, they've got this they've got this interesting squad of um, you know the real veteran you know Selwood and Abbott have obviously been around for fucking um, you know. Since uh, since gladiators were around, basically, um, but they're still playing at a playing at a reasonably high level, and and, and with the supplemental pieces around them, they they're a good they're a team that if they stay fit and stay in form, they're obviously every chance. But the way that the AFL is a little weird at the start of this year, I I really think it's a weird year at the start of this one. Teams that should be doing well, you know, I mean, West Coast are going okay, but they lost to Brisbane in the first game of the season, which. Um, seemed a shock at the time and you know it's just a weird start to the year yeah it is i mean like geelong i think will be very good this year but i th- crows a couple of years ago when they won the minor premiership they had i think the crows won 15 games lost six drew one and we finished minor premiers i think and then last year the year after we had finished top we didn't we finished 12th winning 12 games mm. i think this year is going to be a year where possibly somehow i don't know how it will work exactly i can't really do the maths but i think this is a year where you can win maybe even 10 games or 11 games and you may make the eight. i think there's going to be a lot more upsets this year judging through footy tips yeah. i think and then the minor premier isn't going to finish with heaps either. I think it's going to come a lot down to percentage and goals kicked, which um, there's not too much difference in early yeah. in the year either. Yeah, so it could be one of those years where you have a couple of teams between 6th and 10th that are very similar in record and it just comes down to percentage and maybe a, maybe a draw here and there too. There's always a couple of teams, you know, often when you look at the table at the end of the minor, minor round, uh, you'll have uh, four teams with a draw in their schedule and sometimes that can be the, the, the tiebreaker in there. 
the cat had her fucking claw stuck in my sock and she was just whinging like a little bitch trying to shake it off. Um, yeah, there's a. It does seem like that kind of season where uh, you know it's funny. It'll be interesting to see you know if any team breaks away from the pack. Um, and I guess that's that's the other question is do you see any team like I mean Richmond when they get the players back? Um, you've got Collingwood who are just they've got a great squad and and if they can get it together like like they did in that little run they had towards right up until about halfway through the second quarter of the grand final. <laughs> You know, when everything started to fall apart, you know, right up until that point, they looked like just such a fantastic team, and and they still look like they could could be that team. And you know, Richmond, if they get everything together, you know, their squads very much still one of the elite squads in the AFL and West Coast as well. You know, at home, I don't know. I d- I still think there's some teams that could break away and ever and finish top easily, but they're not getting the results at the moment. Though Richmond. Got a pretty good result on the weekend. Mm, yeah, out of nowhere, um, in a way. At this stage, I have three teams who, well, I won't say will win the flag. Three teams who I think will win the flag. Um, I think it will be either West Coast, Collingwood, or GWS at this stage. I don't think GWS. Yeah, GWS. They've they've always had the talent. They've always had the, I don't know, their home ground's pretty, pretty solid. Oh, fucking hell. <coughs> Burping so much. <laughs> um, I'll, I've actually stopped counting how many have been in the pod, but I assume that's the fourth or fifth. Yeah. Um, they're still very good, and I think even with their loss of gun players, I mean, they lost Shield last year, but Cornelio's only getting better. Whitfield's only getting better. Kelly's only getting better. Jeremy Cameron's, he was All-Australian a couple of times, at, I don't know, three or four years ago. And then lost it for a bit through injury, but he's becoming a the player we expected him to be. He's dominating games, he's turning them on. I mean, the other week he kicked seven goals, five. That could easily be ten goals, two. That's kind of that uh, Buddy Franklin level of in influence on a game. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think he can have that influence and he can be that player. I mean, he's, I'm thinking, 25, 26. That's prime of a football career. He's ready to take it on. And, I mean, they've got Phil Davis still down back. They've lost Callum Ward. um, That's for the season, isn't it? That's for the season, which does suck. He's one of my all-time favourite footballers. But... The fortunate situation is they've had brilliant concessions over the years, brilliant um, access to concessions, to talent from academies. They're going to be fine. And I think I would still put West Coast and Collingwood ahead of them, but I think this could be their year. Right, so GWS as well. Yeah, I guess I haven't... I haven't kept too much of an eye on them this year, to be fair. Um, they've they beat Geelong the other day, didn't they? Yep, yeah. down at Geelong. At Geelong, that's what I thought. I I remember seeing that result and thinking that was a it kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit. Um, and they came from like twenty odd points down. Yeah, in the second or third. Yeah, which you know I've I've been down to the I've seen a game at the Cattery. It's a 
It's an, it's like any AFL ground. The atmosphere sometimes are overrated a little bit because you know fans come in and out of games depending on the the time of the game. But it's certainly uh it's it's an interesting spot the the Cattery because it is one of the only grounds in the AFL that is truly their ground. Um, and they they get thirty you know twenty thirty thousand in there consistently. And they only play um interstate teams there. <laughs> yeah, because they always get dragged up to Melbourne for the rest of the. Because that's fair. Yeah, yeah, no, the AFL is... um, Yeah, no, I, I mean, let's talk. Crows haven't won there since 2006. <laughs> I fucking hate it. Yeah, no, I can't remember that. Well, Port Don't listen to that, Tizzy. <laughs> <laughs> if any of your students find this podcast... Um, they have a way with things. I don't get it. They find things out about me that I don't like. Well, look, you little wonderful children that are being shaped by my brother's mind, rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcast. And then Matt might give you an A. <laughs> oh, probably C. You'll pass if you give this podcast five stars. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we can talk about uh, the, um, the, rule, the rule changes. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around... The uh, I mean the interchange thing is one thing. The uh, the hands in the back thing is an another interesting one. Um, that's good. Yeah, I, I I enjoy it. I'm still just uh. My problem with the umpires this year is they're still getting the ones wrong that seem. I thought I thought the du- the ducking thing was going to be. I didn't think I'd still have to be thinking about this in 2019. I oh, know. Do you mean just like a player ducking and then? Getting the free kick for high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I have video review takes. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. We get the benefit of like a a replay, but the thing is, as I'm not an umpire and I personally don't like it, but the game is played at such a quick rate that. Yeah. But if we if we're gonna if we're gonna have. Uh, the AFL's either got to go away from video review completely or um, accept that it's going to be a part of the game. I think, and this is my hot take of the year, and this is basically a response to um, being, you know, there's been a couple of video, uh, high tackle ones against Port in the last couple of years. The West Coast one's a high profile one, but the goal that got Brisbane back in the game a couple of weeks ago was the result of a duck, duck, um, high tackle free. Um, and my thought was that it would be interesting to just have a bloke up in a chair watching any all incidents that happen inside the 50, kind of like a penalty box kind of thing, and just giving a call down saying, yeah, he ducked. It'd be quick. It'd be very quick. Nah. Nah. <laughs> you're, you're such an old school cunt. I remember... <laughs> no, um... But, but, like, that changed the game. Yeah, I'm and I don't, I, I, I don't, don't like game changing. I, I, and this is, but this is my thing. You've either got to go away from video, completely, because the the goal, the they goal, fuck it up anyway. That, yeah, that, that's what that's, I, that's the what thing. I, I would and that's what I mean. That's what I, that's what I mean. You've either got to go away from it and not have it at all, or if you're gonna have it, then I want my fifty meter one. Nah, um, no, 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 that's what I mean. And to be fair, the fifty meters too 
that's too big a space. That's a third of the ground. Yeah, well, but, but you've got to you've got to you've got to have a mark, and that's because we have the fifty meter zone as a mark in the AFL. It's mm, yeah, nah. that, that's that's the only reason I said fifty. You could have you could have it be the thirty. You could have it be the, you know, you know nah, whatever. I would, nah, I would rather have no umpires video reviewing it because though I, I, I do I, hate I, it. I agree, I agree, but then, but then to a certain extent, it's just like just don't have the the. Uh, They've got to be better at picking up these things because um, the players know that the ducking thing is called, but they also know that they're going to get away with it a lot, and so they're still actually it's it's almost big. I I think it's becoming more prevalent, even though they seem to be trying to pick up on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And the thing is, um, I is think ret- that is retrospective action another thing they could talk about. Like you know, in the in the NBA, you have a uh, fines for flopping post game like and. Lillard got one a couple of weeks ago. Um, is that is that an alter? If we're not going to do, you know, my idea was hot take. I do, I do, I do admit that it was just a way of broaching the discussion and trying to think of a way of nah. of working it out. But do you then um, start punishing players for uh, no. the end? The AFL's version of flop. They say they do that, but they're pussies because the AFL. Um, match review officer now, not even assistant the officer. They're pussies and um well, well he's a pussy and he does not um stand up for what he was meant to bring in and he's meant to bring in a system that works for everyone. But as soon as you're a star player, e.g. Patrick Dangerfield, Dustin Martin, Trent Cochin even a couple of years ago, though I'm not sure if that was him when he was there. Um, uh, that's, that's I mean, that's as soon as you're a star player, you get that benefit of the doubt, which I'm not sure. So, what, so what you're saying is, I- is if they started bringing in um, post-match review of dives or ducks or whatever, dodge, duck, kick, dive and dodge. Um, if uh, Joel Selwood ducked into a tackle and and then they decided to review it to f- see if he was flopping or not, he'd get the benefit of the doubt. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's and that that's like a separate issue in itself. That's just an over overhaul of the AFL system that needs to happen. Yeah, um, well, but yeah, look, that's that, I mean that's what I think needs to happen. You either need to start start sl- coming down on it somehow in video review, or you need to actually have a post match thing where you go through and work out which players have, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's the word flopping may not be right, but I'm just gonna trying to bring it in line with the arguments with. Uh, with uh, soccer and uh, NBA, where NBA's got it really right, they do come down on it. Um, I did, a, I did find it interesting that Lillard came out and said, "Well, I don't get the star treatment, so and that's a that's another issue in itself." But he still got the fine. Uh, you know, the NBA is not perfect either, but they're at least got a system in place to try and review absolute. You know, and there's and there's in incidents in the AFL all the time where players. Absolutely, you can just tell they've ducked into the tackle. Joel Selwood would have would lo- lose most of his career paycheck if he went back through and tried to review all of his. So you kn- you know what I mean? Y- yeah, yeah. Uh, you wouldn't be able to go into it as a straight up fine because I know from playing footy not very well but it myself. Would be like a build up thing. Like yeah, it yeah. would have to be because I mean I don't play very well, but I know. It's a very reactive game in the way that there's 
18, there's 36 players on a field at a time and it's very crazy at points that sometimes your reaction may be to do something and it you can tell when a player's dive uh, not dive but ducked um, but I wouldn't say give him a like a starting in melee or saying a $1,500 fine it would have to be worked out a lot better than whether it even was just like a uh, a system of um, you know post-match cards where if you get um, whether it's a it, it would have to it would have to be yeah it have to take a lot of actual um, planning to work this out but we're just spitballing um, you know five cards you get uh, Brett Romand seven yeah. cards you get a fine ten cards you're out for a week yeah oh, but, then that but then but then ten cards change ten around yeah but then ten cards if you get one card per incident then by the time you get ten cards the season's over anyway so. Uh, Joel Selwood would do it <laughs> 10 times in a week, so he, <laughs> <laughs> he, would get his, he would get his warning fine and a week off <laughs> very quickly. That's fair. Um, but yeah, anyway, I guess the, the point's been made. There is a, I think there's a way of, I think the AFL just needs to broach the subject somehow. I think they've got a lot of things to sort out because Dustin Martin, I mean, he's a gun, but he hit a player um, a hundred meters off the ball the other week, with his elbow across the head, though it wasn't very hard, and the player was all right in the end, and he played the next week. He's only missing a week for that. Any other player misses a lot more, and that's not a good look on the game for someone who just comes across it and goes bang into the head when. I mean, though he wasn't seriously injured in any way, these days, head injuries, they're what we're trying to stop. And we don't want to promote that for young kids playing the game as well. I mean, yeah, back in the days, the biff was good, but you don't want to come across and hit someone in the jaw. And yeah, well, back in the day, they used to not let black people use the same bathroom too, so... <laughs> Back in the day, was uh, there's a lot of things that back in the day were fine, um, you know. And you know, not that I don't mind. The funny thing about fights in the AFL is, it's, it's you know, if a, a teammate sticking up for another teammate, it's fine. If it's just a guy just elbowing a guy, like Dustin Martin did, it's just not on. There's no excuse for it. There's no all those, all those guys. Head. Yeah, all those guys that go, oh, bring back the beef. That's fine. Like no, he just fucking. It's like it's. It's almost a coward punch. That's all it is. Um, he just wanted, you know, going up to a bloke and elbowed him in the head. There's no no rhyme or reason for it. Um, and you know, I mean that 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 issue aside, the AFL, the fact that they deem that essentially the same kind of, pe- as far as the week's suspension goes, Mason Cox got a week suspension in the first week for something that was like a fuck all incident. I'm pretty sure he got. That taken off because originally, oh, did he? I didn't actually, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he did. I and originally, Dustin's was two, but they moved it down to one, yeah, because of like they changed it from medium impact to low. But I think it's also the precedent because, in a way, all right, Andrew Gaff last year, King hit um, Andrew Brayshaw, mm. and he got eight weeks. I mean, he did 
seriously injure him and he had to get his teeth realigned. Yeah. But I don't think you can say that just because Dustin Martin ran past him, hit him, and there wasn't a serious injury like that, that you can only give him one week. Because they could very easily, by running past and giving an elbow, he could have knocked out teeth. He could have hit him yeah. in the wrong spot and got him concussion. Just because he didn't, he Doesn't gets mean, one week. Yeah. Like if what if for it's some not, reason it's he not did? Like it, it's not like he was running past thinking if I hit him in this exact same spot, in, in this exact spot, I'm gonna just get a low grade suspension because I'm gonna they're gonna see it this way. He doesn't know that. He's going in there and being a dick and elbowing a guy in the head. Yeah. Like Damien Barrett put it really well in one of his articles that the minimum he should have gotten was three weeks. But he shouldn't have even been at two weeks at the start. He shouldn't have gotten down to one. He should have been at three because you're that far off the ball. You're that far, yeah, just from a general contest. You've run past someone and intentionally hit them. So what, you haven't done it hard. Like, I mean, you're weak. <laughs> like, If it's just like, that's the thing. If it's just a hip and shoulder kind of thing, that's completely different because that's part of the game. You're doing something that's illegal in the game and you're doing it that far off the ball. Like that, that elbow to the head contact is illegal if there's a contest. You're that far off the ball, it's like absolutely illegal. So it's Yeah. Yeah. The ball was getting kicked out and he was in the center of the ground, ran past, hit him. I think yeah, you've got to you you've got to crack gotta down be, on that. You've got to be sitting you gotta be just sitting. Just because he's that. one of the players that brings people to the game. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can let people off. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I enjoy watching Dustin Martin, so it's not even not even a knock on him, but like I just think that those kind of things, the AFL has this moral complex issue where they seem to be trying to protect their own ass and to protect their own image at certain times and they just, it's case by case, is completely different depending on what their agenda is on the day and that's I mean, that's an issue with the AFL itself. So, um, yeah. You want to run and get a beer? Yeah, can you keep talking? For yeah, a yeah. I'm just going to keep chatting away yeah. while Matt runs and grabs a beer. Um, yeah, you can grab one for me too. That would be good. Could use another beer. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's the issue I have there with the AFL. It's uh, completely at a. I mean, you could call me a an anarchist with with these kind of things. I just find the AFL is such a such a corrupt institution. Um, they're always out protecting. You know, all leagues around the world have their things where they're protecting their own interests. Um, so it's not unique to the AFL in any way. I don't think they're a unique situation in the fact that they're um, the only corrupt league in the sense of them trying to protect their own interests, but they certainly do it a lot where, you know, star players are given preferential treatment in uh, tribunal hearings and stuff like that, and it's just it's just rough. You know, it happens in the Premier League, it happens in the NBA, it happens in the, you know, the NFL's had a long history of of uh, players getting getting off on Things that are lo- very serious, you know. The NFL's <laughs> the NFL's a whole different beast with the with the um, incidents with Ray Rice and all those kind of things. But that's that's a separate thing. But yeah, the NFL's got some work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As you're eating pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they definitely do in that sense of the game. And I think 
I mean, you would be going into a whole different spiel with um, getting into the AFL and their policies on even like the drug policy, which isn't up to scratch because, I mean, luckily the AFL has the NRL to be the bad boys, but yeah. the <laughs> AFL isn't great from all reports in terms of like the drug culture and so on. Luckily the NRL are even worse and that covers up for the AFL, but you hear things coming in and out about what's going on there and it's not great. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. The NRL uh, is an interesting position because they seem to be starting to try and, um, you know, the who's I can't think of the player, but there's a player that uh, I think for the Broncos, I could be completely wrong though because uh, I follow the NRL very, very little. I, I have my team, but that's and I keep an eye on their results, and that's about it. But there was a player that um, got a lifetime ban because of his uh, his incidents with uh, violence and sexual assault kind of thing. So they're doing, you know, lifetime ban from the league. You know, imagine, and he was a can't think of his name. Um, decent player is my point. Like it, it would be if a player of that caliber got that same kind of ban from the AFL, it would be bombshell news. So that's an interesting thing that the I think the NRL is starting to recognize a little bit that they've got to change the uh, perception of the game. And it'll be interesting to see if the AFL catches up to that too because, you know, they're probably, like you said, the NRL is probably covered up a little bit of the transgressions of the AFL players around the league sometimes. So, Well, I remember when the whole Essendon, like, drug saga came out and that wasn't anything to do with actual um well no they were illegal but the not like cocaine ice and so on performance um, enhancing performance that's yeah when um Essendon got done with the with the performance enhancing drugs before that this was something I heard on the radio a few weeks ago actually um before that there was the AFL was really close to having a massive drug scandal and news was coming out about like players being on like they've got the strike system being on very close to getting their third strike um but then the like performing performance enhancing drug scandal came out with Essendon and that sort of covered that all up but then you've got like Jack Watts getting in trouble for sexting and saying, like, we've got the coke. You've got, um, I think it's Chris Yaron who's apparently been doing some pretty hard drugs. You've got the Ben Cousins who somehow the AFL let get to three strikes in a way. Like, they could have done a whole lot more to stop him from getting to the three strikes. Everyone knew he had a problem. Yeah, they sort of covered it up. I think they could have done more there, and that's going back 10 years. You've yeah, got I mean, yeah. other players who, um, rumour has it, have retired because of... Um, retired because the clubs have said, like, we can't keep having you on with this way. Like, they're rumours, but a rumour starts somewhere. Yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire. Especially when you Ben Cousins is one of the most high-profile high instances, and that's still a sad tale that's unfolding 
every day that we we live because you know every few months you hear something about him and it's not never the best news and this is a guy that wouldn't won a premiership and won a brownlow you know it's kind of like watching um yeah watching uh not that he won the kind of titles that tom brady did but his his status in the game for a couple of years there was the best best player and best well player in nfl when footy. did miami win their was it 2006 they won a championship yeah 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 imagine Dwayne wade yeah like that's, a, that's, a that's very the that's exact a, same year yeah. west coast won the premiership imagine Dwayne wade having the same sort of issues this guy's been to prison he's been to rehab yeah and he's like all of a sudden he's good and then he's bad again yeah and it's more bad than good like imagine Dwayne wade yeah, just in and out Going of the, in and out of the news being found on the street. Because like, Ben Cousins, he's just... There's stories of him being found on a random street, wandering aimlessly, like, just chatting weirdly, and they're just like, we have to take this guy in because he's, he's, like, acting weird. Like, that's the kind of stuff he's doing, and it's just... And, yeah, the AFL is complicit in that. Like, I absolutely agree. They, they knew the, you know, West Coast themselves are complicit to a certain extent, but then the AFL must have known more than they've ever given on about what was happening at West Coast at the time, especially Ben Cousins being the fact that he moved teams and went to Richmond um, and was even more close to the AFL. No, he he did have a ban in between going from West Coast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, obviously still things are going on. Yeah, he was apparently better. Definitely not. Um, And he's not the only player as well. Like, there's been other players to get the three strikes. One of them may have been Shane Tuck, may have been the player. Um, but there's other players who apparently should definitely be on three strikes, but because the AFL has a self-reporting process, whereas if you do, for some reason, do drugs and you report it, you don't get a strike. So, look at me, I'm doing hard drugs. Hey, AFL, I did hard drugs. Let me off. I think even that's if a weird like uh, and like com- like to put it to the side. Like I have nothing against you know. I mean, if if, if an AFL player is smoking weed, go for it because that should be legal anyway. But um, so we should make that clear. That's at least my opinion. Um, but uh, yeah, if it is, if you if we're looking at the players that are often doing um, there's like a meth is a big issue in the AFL. A big issue in uh, South Australia. Amateur football as well. Um, Those kind of drug issues. Australia in general, to be honest. Yes, yeah. Um, But yeah, particularly in football, um, there is that culture. And so there is those things, and that's what the AFL has to be picking up on, and they're not. Well, uh, they are, but they're not doing the right things about it. Yeah, they're not. And that's what's happened with Chris Yaron, I'm pretty sure. Um, and just, uh, I guess we've gotten pretty distracted from the whole talk of ducking highs, but that's the thing. That's AFL. They're not doing enough. They're trying to change the game with all the rules of six 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 and kicking out from the goal square, which I don't mind. But yeah, no, I've enjoyed that. Um, but there's the other things they need to focus on more and especially the players' welfare, that they're not, and they're not consistent about it either. That's the issue. Consistency is key. Yeah, I mean, that's the underlying issue. I think the 
I think the AFL has professionalised really quickly in the last 20 years. I mean, uh, me as a 10-year-old watching watching Plugger Lockett, you know, lumber up the field, you know, the, the just the... He's one of the greatest forwards of all time. There's no doubt about that. But, um His body type would never last in the league the way it is now. The league has professionalised so much and the way they've gone about their marketing of the sport and all those things in the last... Uh, since the turn of the century is is unreal and I think they're still catching up to the fact that the uh the weather players, you know, it's the same in um you know, in Premier League football, like the players used to go out and get absolutely wasted, you know, week in, week out after games, you know, and they had to change that about themselves and I think the AFL is going through that now with the uh with, you know, drug culture and drinking even just the drinking culture as well. Nothing wrong with having a beer, but some of the drinking culture around some clubs at different times, you know. I a little experience I had at Liverpool was like talking to a couple of players that played for Liverpool and one of them told us the story about um, ironically having a beer with them at the time about rolling a player onto a plane in Spain after a big night out and waking up on the tarmac in Liverpool and the player being like wait which country are we in? Because they literally carried him onto the plane he didn't wake up from the hotel room until they landed in Liverpool he'd gone to a different country and not realise where he was. So, you know, that was just drinking culture and, and they and the professional football in England had to change and they don't not that stuff doesn't happen as much. I'm sure it happens occasionally, but not a team that's winning Champions Leagues anyway. Um and, you know, those kind of things have to have to change in Maybe, maybe Liverpool will win the Champions League if they go back to that. <laughs> well hey. you know I mean, uh, you've you've had the stories about that that Barcelona f- final in two thousand uh, round of sixteen in two thousand seven. Nah, Remember elaborate right? for my drunken mind. Well, that night, so that was, so that was a night. Yeah. So the next, the, the the that game, we beat Barcelona two one in Barcelona, which no English team has ever beaten Barcelona in Barcelona apart from Liverpool that night. Um, that night was the night that uh, Craig Bellamy almost. Killed John Arnaresa with a golf club. Like literally, was like wanting to kill him. <laughs> were they just on the can? Yeah, yeah, they were absolutely wasted, and they had an argument. And um, yeah, John Arnare and Be- John Arnaresa recalls it as they're still not friends after this. He says that Bellamy just charged into his room drunk with a golf club and was like, "Come on, let's have it," and was trying to, and you know, he was defending himself. And and then the game, the two players that score, Arisa and Bellamy, <laughs> and Bellamy's Bellamy's celebration was a golf club swing, <laughs> which oh was so this was before the game. Yes, uh, this was before the game. They all went out in the cans, and um, so and that's yeah, not even <laughs> yeah yeah. So that that was like the two players trying to kill each other. I can't remember. Apparently, Reese had said something. Bellamy being Bellamy being a a little short Northern Irishman. I, I loved Bellamy when he played for Liverpool both times, but. He just lost his shit and was drunk and just wanted to kill him. Um, but the other thing that I'm just impressed he found a golf club vein <laughs> when he was. I don't know, like there for long. yeah, I I can't remember how that came into it. But the other thing is though that Dudek, the goalkeeper, somehow got into some trouble. He was backup goalkeeper at that point, but um, Benitez had to go bail him out of jail as well. <laughs> this all happened in the same night. 
and they somehow won a won a Champions League round of sixteen match against Barcelona after all that. Like Rafa Benitez went and bailed a player out of jail as well. Or he might have been in a cop car, I can't remember. Either way, he had to talk him out of talk him out of some shit. Well, playing Liverpool are in the quarterfinals at the moment. They're gonna have a good night in Porto if they want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Mane's gonna go after Van Dijk and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't like. know. Be- Becker's gonna. Uh, nah, I'm not gonna say anything about oh. Becker. He's very important. Actually, Van Dijk's very important. Van Dijk's Mane the best defender in the world, after, mate. I don't know. Milner. <laughs> I know. Everyone's Stop. important. Don't jinx anything. I know. Touch, um, touch wood. Touch bar. Yeah. Touch beer. Touch bar too. <laughs> anyway, back to AFL. Uh, you know, we got off on the tangent there, but that's... Yeah, we've gone long ways. Um, it was only about 20 minutes, surprisingly. That's the thing, though, with the AFL, though, is um, there is that underlying issue of, as far as, you know, the professionalism of the game and the way they've modernised and marketed the game in the last 10, 15 years is fantastic. Like, they've really done a great job of marketing the game and, uh, you know... You know, have friends. You know, Vince, who's on the pod, he's a member. He's a sports gadget member. Um, you know, he loved his experience here, and he's been a he's been watching it for a couple of years now as well. Oh, so Very big pro supporter. Oh, fuck off. Um, <coughs> Brittany, I can't speak for. She's a troll. Uh, anyway, she <laughs> did like the Crows games. He's better than Paul. No, I there's. She posted on her Instagram later that after that Paul game, two flags up in the air. She's a Paul fan. She can come to the light side. Vince, don't listen to this guy. <laughs> Vince, anyway. man, I got you. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. I think the next the next step in the AFL's um, their push that push forward of the game to to truly be the game for all of Australia because I think that's what the AFL's going for is um, you know, the NRL markets itself as the National Rugby League, but it's not. Um, the AFL is the true national sport of Australia. Um, you know, it's cricket being summer, but, you know, anyway. Uh, the thing they're going to have to contend with next is getting this eradication of the underlying issues of um, drug culture. And, and then um, that aside is is trying to be more consistent with your, uh, your officiating of the game. I think it's just consistent with yeah. officiating um, drug culture, different rules for different teams like yeah just not ca- not just not not catering to the stars of the league no bias being, being basically yeah being stronger than being stronger than your product like believing in well it's believing in your product believing that um if you need to suspend Dustin Martin for 4 weeks that you can do it and it's not going to be an issue because you need to do it you know don't bend to Dustin Martin because you think you can't, you know, you need to sell tickets or whatever. Yeah, Dustin Martin from No John Snow. He's a real Joffrey Baratheon. <laughs> Don't bend the knee. Uh, yeah, we did watch the first episode of Game of Thrones a couple of hours ago, so that's uh, that's timely. Um, yeah, no, that, I mean that that, <laughs> that that was that was good. That's knocked me off my stride. Um, you know nothing. Uh, I'm talking to myself right now. Um, but that that is the thing Um, I guess we can go to a more lighter subject Um, I've been wanting to talk to you about on pod there's a little there's a little uh, 
little project going on with your... Uh, I don't know how much I can say legally. Is there legal issues? Is that where it's gotten to? Oh, no, we don't have any. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> just always I don't right. think so anyway, so <laughs> I could be fucked. <laughs> I mean, oh, fuck. I can't... S- in case a kid finds me, please edit that. <laughs> I can't swear. I don't know how to beep things out in the pods because I've never... What had the that. beep? I've never had to worry about it because I've just got this rated as explicit in iTunes, so... Let's just hope I am not found. <laughs> uh... Um, anyway, you've got a project going at the moment with your uh, local cricket team. I do. Yeah, I I just want to I I want to know the process because I've never like starting a football club like Australian rules football from the ground up. Like, first of all, tell me how that happened. I mean, uh, you've briefly told me, but like, we just just the generation of the idea. Um, it definitely didn't start with me. Um, I think it started with, I think, like, just, it's always been a chat that happens, like, at cricket training or, um, at the pub on a Saturday night, because at the local Greenock Tavern, um, there's a couple photos up of teams from the 50s of the AFL team that they used to have there. There's always been that sort of chat, and then, I don't know, one night, we were having a couple uh, lemonades, a couple Cokes. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the A-grade captain of the cricket team, he was like, let's start that. Like, oh, oh. Honestly, because I hit my head or something, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, too many he, Cokes. Too many Cokes, too much of a sugar rush. Can't remember why we were talking about it, but he just decided. He said, "I'm gonna make a Facebook page, uh, re-establishment of the Greenock Football Club," and we're like, "Yep, let's do it. That sounds good." Um, and then the coach of the Creek Club, he's always been on the idea. Well, not always. He's sort of new to Greenock in a way. Um, but. Every time someone's mentioned it to him, he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then we started the page and it got a few likes. And he was like, yep, we've got to do this. This is awesome. Um, and he's really been pushing it. And he's getting us a lot of traction. And seems like the Greenock Football Club and possibly Netball Club could be on the track for 2020. So next year. Um, I know. We've had a couple of meetings. Um, unfortunately, I've only been able to go to the one. Unfortunately, haven't been doing as much as I could be, but seems like we're making some headway to getting a new football club up and going. Yeah, so I guess that's the thing. Like, um, for those un- uninitiated, like uh, country football and uh, Aussie rules football in Australia is just generally cha- each town that has a population i guess to sustain it has a team or has a you know a grade b grade which is reserves for their a team and then their junior teams um and then there's netball team for the women and and whatnot and and thankfully there's a women's football teams coming in now but um that's neither here nor there to the issue um it's a it takes a hell of a lot of people to to start a football club um so it's cool to see you guys getting that traction and um, 
and getting that kind of interest in in trying to make something new because especially in in this day and age in a town that's in a in an area where there's a lot of established teams already to try and and get something going is 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 pretty cool. I'm like it, I'm watching it with keen interest because be a cool opportunity to lace up a jersey again too. But <laughs> <laughs> if I if my ankles can hold Wh- up. When was the last time you played a game? Uh, I was probably about fourteen. And you were born in two thousand two. Yep. <laughs> Come <laughs> back after an eighteen year eighteen year break. Well, we'll. Oh no, I've already I've already got my eyes on the bench of the reserve. So. That's that's about where my level is, but oh well, shit! I'll be next to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Vanna Brothers on the sa- same team. Um, but you know, it's re- it's really cool. Like I, um, it's been fun watching the page just every post being like, shit, we got some something else going here, and then there's a league that wants. Is it? Are you let? I mean, I guess you. Uh it was on Facebook the other day, so I'm sure. Yeah, I think um the Adelaide Plains League, so. I mean, we would prefer to be in the Brossa League, but yeah, we all know that that's unattainable with the Brossa League's one of the best, well, I would happily say the best leagues other than Div 1. Um, Div 1, maybe Div 2. Adelaide League in Australia, um, in South Australia. Um, so... So it's a very good country league. It's extremely good. Um, so we're never n- going to make that. So the Adelaide Plains League, traditionally not as good. So it's probably a good starting point for us. And hopefully we'd be able to be competitive. I don't know. Um, we've still got a lot of work to do to get us. I mean, the goal is to play next year. But we've got a lot of... Um, ground makeup. I know the Grenop uh, tennis courts are getting redone into better tennis courts, but we're looking at um, changing that if we can and getting them into netball courts. I mean, that get means getting netball players, which, I mean, um, there's hopefully people we can get in. There's already people talking about getting people to play and then I don't think we'll struggle for players for men's because everyone's got a mate and everyone at the cricket club, I mean, most people at the cricket club are pretty keen on ditching their current clubs to coming and play. And then we can also get people in, mates of mates. We'll be fine. I was going to say that, I mean, like, Renox, um, obviously there's bigger towns in the process, but um, Renox... um, there's a lot of it's a sneaky little uh, big town that there. Um, there's a lot of people that hold hold Granock dear to their hearts. Like it's a popular town. It's a popular town. It's growing as well. Um, obviously growing in um, there's a new new houses being built there, but it's also growing in um, the Barossa's culture as a as a spot for a, a few wine tastings and a few beers and a great pub. Um, it's a great little town in the Brosser and it deserves a football team. It deserves that kind of that kind of uh, support. And, uh, and like you said, with the amount of people, that the cricket team is obviously very pop- uh, very popular and it's got a culture in the town. Um, the people of the that are involved with the cricket team, obviously, no matter what team they're playing for, I'm assuming that they drop that in a hat and be maybe there'd be a couple. I don't know. We'll stick with the teams, but most of them, it sounds like, would be happy to drop it and 
come play f- come play for the Swingers. Yeah, I'm. Um, I mean, yeah. Sorry, without yeah, uh, so without, without speaking for everyone else. It's no, yeah, I would say like a lot of the boys would who play cricket would probably go and play footy for the Swingers. Um, we've got a real good culture in the cricket club, and it's good fun playing cricket there. And then you'd probably get a lot of the boys who are um, willing and able to play footy because, I mean, there's a few older boys or boys have copped too many injuries in footy before who are still playing cricket because they're able to, who won't play cricket. But I think there's a fair few of us who will and then we're always able to drag at least one or two mates out and then who knows who else you can drag out who wants to play footy for a new club or who's not getting enough games at another club, I think we'll be competitive enough and it's exciting. It's a exciting process. It's just getting the facilities up to standard um, and then just getting everything else together. It's exciting. And hopefully n- this time next year I'll be playing footy on a Saturday for... Australian Football Club. Yeah, and that that like I assume the ground because I know you guys got the uh, the um, the pitch in the middle, but I assume that the oval is like the location for it. Um, the club room situation there is it is pretty good or um, it needs some upgrades. Yeah, there's facilities upgrades definitely. Yeah. Um, where we have the creek club rooms, they're up to scratch. You could definitely have um like a team in there it's probably more what we've talked about is probably more having the home change rooms as the ones that are really in the slums so we'll try to slum it for the first couple years because we don't know where the other team would get changed um so we would have to find a different spot for that showers and so on but that's something that we've got to go through in the next you know next year basically um it's just getting facilities up scratch, getting goalposts in. Um, there is already a plan to do stuff to the ground that wasn't even um, for footy um, in just getting it more even. And maybe I think it was about putting in another turf pitch. But that's all going to come. I mean, there's a bit of slope at Greenock, but there's other teams around the state that have a bit of a slope on the ground so oh yeah no there's there's home ground advantages everywhere yeah and we'll use those <laughs> um and, and, and that's footy too like um yeah i remember um i was talking to sam that works at the bowling um he was talking about the williamstown williamstown ovals is there <laughs> leans on that one so um, nowhere near compared to uh, Greenock, unfortunately, but we'll be right. Yeah, yeah. As long, as long as you know how to work with it. I remember Andrea playing on uh, the Harndorf. Uh, he plays soccer, but you know, playing on that that, that pitch has got a very definite lean. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, they, uh, yeah, they they were kicking up kicking up hill on one in one half and kicking downhill in the next. And the home team definitely knew how to work with it because they knew how to they played on it week in and week out, and it's just what they do. Um. Anyway, that's about wraps it up. Um, I'll just say, for if there are any fans listening, um, the Shillingers will be having an interest day at some point, probably in May. So 
if there is anyone in Australia listening to this and you're in South Australia and you're interested in playing for a new football club, come out sometime in uh, May and we'll have something. It'll be on our Facebook, Grenup Football and Nip Netball Club. We're not from New Zealand. It's not Nitball, as I was about to say. Nitball. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nitball. The Grenup Football and Nitball Club. Uh, come out and try a football league. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm so racist. I'm, be I'm beached is. Oh, it's a common misconception that uh, <laughs> we play netball and football on the beach, bro. On the beach, bro. I'm beach this. I love fish and chips. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is not the way you should end this. <laughs> LinkedIn is very good for the cover, the the, the post match news, bro. <laughs> LinkedIn's this is terrible. <laughs> LinkedIn's full of protein, bro. <laughs> Uh, our New Zealand listenership, which is probably at zero, is that now into the negatives. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. Probably, bro. <laughs> Your accent shit. <laughs> uh, were you finished with your with your advertisement for that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yeah, Schlang Schlang is twenty twenty. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I'll I'll keep I'll try to keep it updated on the, the website. It's slowly getting going. Um. But yeah, anyway, we'll try. We'll, let's try to do this every couple of weeks, just an AFL kind of roundup kind of thing. Pod. We don't have to do it for an hour and forty like we have today, but we went off on a tangent, so yeah, be right. <laughs> Drugs are a hell of a drug. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. No, this is, it's been good. Um, it's always good t chatting AFL footy with you, even if it's on pod or off pod. But um, yeah, no, we'll we'll keep it going. We can just call it the AFL show. Um, for the Sports Gazette podcast, but cheers, bro. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. We'll, cheers. we'll, we'll clink the beers. Yep. Yeah, good. Um, until next time, stay sportsgasmic. Woo, beers. <laughs> <laughs>